There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. This episode, we have such a special treat for you. This is the first time we've recorded, successfully recorded, <laughs> a one of our events um, and bringing it to you on the podcast. So this one was our 2019 New York City event, and we had four incredible panelists that you'll hear from. Um, we had an incredible turnout. So happy to see everyone's faces in person, connecting in real life, and uh, just great, great, incredible energy throughout the room. We heard success stories about multiple people getting jobs, careers from this networking group from WIM. So um, that's why we have this group. Uh, there's nothing more that I would want to hear. There's nothing more that can make me happier um, than to hear an incredible success story like that. Also want to thank our incredible sponsors for this event in particular. Um, we had Primary, uh, which you can find at liveprimary.com. They're a co-working space that my company works out of. Um, the most beautiful, incredible co-working space. No joke. Um, Nirvana Chocolates, the most delicious chocolates. Um, they are uh, a really cool company. Definitely check them out. Um, and then Vital Proteins. Um, you guys know Vital Proteins. You've seen them at Whole Foods. Um, they are full of collagen. So if you're like me and you can use a little help in the nail and hair department, um, they're definitely a go-to. Um, so, so grateful for our sponsors. Um, it means so much to me that you guys support this work that we're doing. Thank you guys. Um, so if you'd like to attend a future event, if you missed this one, um, we're definitely going to be having more, of course. Um, so go ahead and make sure you're on our mailing list. It's at IamWim.com slash join. From there, you'll be directed to the private Facebook group, so you can request access there. We always post the invites there, um, but those are the best two ways to always know what's going on. So um, without further ado, um, we'll just jump into the event. Enjoy. Hi, guys. Welcome on this really cold New York night. Um, the women who are here today and a few men who support us women who are here tonight... <laughs> 
Um, we're so extra grateful because it is 20 degrees outside and you are a rock star for being here. So please give yourselves a round of applause. No jokes, some snaps, some claps. Um, so who here is a member already of WIM and has been a member for the last six months at least? Raise your hand. How many of you guys have been members for the last year or more? Raise your hand. And who in the room is their first WIM event ever? Raise your hand. You guys are amazing. Thank you so, so much for coming. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background about WIM, in case some of you just like stumbled in here and wanted a warm place to hang out for the night, which is all good, we accept everybody. Um, WIM was founded uh, on the basis that we just wanted a great community of women in influencer marketing um, to share ideas with each other, to build a community, and to really uh, foster an incredible group of leaders in this industry. Uh, it's the most exciting place to be. None of us are rocket scientists or brain surgeons. We all get to have fun for a living. Um, we get to work with incredible influencers, talented artists, graphic designers, videographers, um, agency folks like you guys, people from brands, and everything in between. Um, so uh, if you have not officially joined WIM, the way to do it, I always tell people, uh, is to go to IamWim.com slash join. From there, you'll be introduced to all the different resources that we have. We have a private Facebook group that's super, super active. Uh, we have a podcast that's really fun. We're recording an episode right now, actually. So if you ask a question later, you will be on the podcast. Um, and we also, of course, have a newsletter that goes out uh, every couple months. So, uh, and of course, these events. So this is our first event all year in New York. We're so excited to have you guys here. Um, the order of the night, we're just going to have an incredible panel. We have these wonderful panelists behind me. I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. Um, a little bit about their backgrounds, but then I'm going to stop talking so you can hear more from them and less from me. Um, and then we're going to have a little bit of Q&A after, so don't forget questions that pop up during the panel. Write them down, commit them to memory, and we're going to have about like 10-15 minutes or so of Q&A at the end. Um, and then we're just going to have networking at the end. So at the end of this event, people get really nervous. <laughs> Because not everybody feels comfortable going up to a perfect stranger and saying, hi, my name is Jesse Grossman, and I work at Bold Street, or I founded WIM, and I want to meet someone new. Um, so I would just challenge you to be a little bit bold tonight, um, and just know that everybody in the room is in the exact same position that you are, and they really just want to meet incredible women, and you're all in the same, you're all in the same place. Um, so please, I encourage you to be bold and meet each other tonight. Um, without further ado, first, I do want to thank our sponsors for tonight. Um, the space that we're in, that I heard a lot of compliments about from you guys, we're like, where are we? This is really pretty. Um, so this is Primary. Um, this is our office space at Bold Streak. Um, they're gracious enough to have us in their beautiful venue. Um, their whole thing is about wellness and work. Um, so they've been gracious enough to gift us their space. Um, Nirvana Chocolates right here. Ooh, we have chocolates here. We're fancy. Um, they're in the back, so a lot of you grab them. There are just a few left, so before you head out, grab some more, or maybe like share with people who haven't happened yet. Um, there's wine, and uh, Vital Proteins is also another sponsor of ours, too. 
we have so much vital proteins. Everybody in my office is <laughs> laughing. Um, please take it home with you. If you have roommates or parents or boyfriends <laughs> or girlfriends, tell them how great vital proteins are and put some in your pockets and take them to go. Um, they are really, really good. They're like collagen infused, so you'll feel great afterwards. All right, that's a little bit of housekeeping stuff. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce everybody here on the panel for you. So immediately to my left, we have Christy Childers. She was actually on one of the podcast episodes as well. A few of you already were as well, so um, definitely tune into that. Uh, Christy, and you can see her social handle behind her, so shameless plug, go ahead and shoot her a follow. It's a It's a nickname. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. It doesn't make any sense. It's fine. <laughs> so Christy, she's the head of Influencer Talent US at Social Chain. Uh, she's built relationships with influencers and talent agencies to create dynamic, successful brand awareness and sales campaigns with global brands such as Brita and Primark. Uh, she leads her team to tailor social for strategies to not only meet but also exceed client objectives while working cross-functionally within her organization to analyze the creator influencer driven concepts from creation through project execution. Welcome, Christy. Um, next on our panel, we have Camille Dagworn, who is also on the podcast as well. Um, so Camille has almost a decade of experience in social media and influencer marketing. Uh, she's worked at several advertising and entertainment marketing agencies. She successfully executed multifaceted marketing programs for some of the world's leading brands and, uh, and Fortune 500 companies. Uh, currently at United Entertainment Group, otherwise known as UEG, Camille serves as a Senior Director of Talent and Influencers. She is the expert on all things influencer under their Unilever portfolio. And at UEG, she leads influencer identification, contract negotiations, on-ground event management, and strategic campaign planning. <laughs> Welcome, Camille. <laughs> And your social handle is? Camille Dagorn. Camille Dagorn. Shoot her a follow. Or on LinkedIn. LinkedIn too, right? Yeah. LinkedIn, Instagram, those are Instagrams. All right. Um, Mia Parikh, uh, that is her married name, but this is her, her maiden name is behind her. <laughs> Uh, Parikh, P-A-R-I-K-H, beautiful name. Um, she is a beauty publicist and marketer with a unique blend of over eight years of experience at both agencies and in-house roles across mass and prestige brands. Currently at Shiseido America, uh, Nia serves as manager of PR and influencer relations for Bare Minerals, such a cool company, uh, where she leads all influencer strategy for the U.S. market. Uh, Nia oversees all identification, relationship building, onboarding, contract negotiations, and go-to market planning. So, welcome, Brie. Uh, awesome. And then, last but certainly not least, oh wait, and Nia underscore Joy is her social handle. I mean, we're at like a social media event, like I have to mention these things. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, and last but certainly not least, this is Tyla Lauren Gilmore. Um, Tyla Lauren is uh, an influencer who started her online career in 2015 um, as a, uh, talking about natural hair, uh, but these days you may know her as the young, hip New Yorker, <laughs> well known for her on-point beauty tips, thrifted fashion finds, and trendy lifestyle. Am I making you blush? No, I'm 
Okay. <laughs> I love that you said that. That's the right answer. Um, Tyla's all about looking great and feeling great on a budget. She strives to create genuine, creative content that inspires her followers to embrace who they are. And she is at Ty Lauren on Instagram. You're on YouTube. She's on every. She's everywhere, and she's right here. So. <laughs> introduce myself. I kind of did, right? Um, so my name is Jesse Grossman. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't know. I actually don't even drink. Um, so I uh, founded WIM and I'm also the CEO of Bull Shriek, which is a social media management company uh, here in New York. Um, and I'm just really excited to see all of you guys here. So thank you again for coming. And without further ado, we're just going to like dive into some questions and talk about some stuff. So again, this is meant to be very interactive as well. So uh, we're gonna have a great Q&A at the end, some questions, and, and uh, we'd love to hear from you at the end. So to kick it off, this question is to Camille. What makes a good influencer stand out? And what are you specifically looking for in an influencer when you're looking to hire one? Great question. Um, so what makes an influencer stand out? I think for us, it depends on the campaign and the brand and the brand's needs. So what is the we call job to be done? What are we looking to achieve at the end of the campaign? And um, for us, we're looking for influencers who are really dynamic and who come to the table with ideas and creativity and ultimately passion for what they do. Um, I think you can really tell when somebody is kind of like phoning it in or has too much on their plate or isn't really as passionate about the project as maybe other partners are, and it's very visible to us on the other side. So um, creativity is like number one. We want people who also have ideas and don't just want to post with the product like this. Like we want them to challenge us and to, to want more out of the content. Um, I think that goes a long way. We've actually seen when um, influencers are, are very willing to kind of level up on their content, their output, um, their photos actually perform just as well, if not better, than their non-branded content. So that speaks volumes. And when you have the content and the performance and the relationship with the influencer, there's no way we're not going to work with them again. So we do everything we can to like block them out <laughs> of everyone else. So that we have that exclusivity because those things are so precious to us. So, And uh, Nia, what would you say? I, I agree. Um, being on the brand side, that's, that's definitely something we look at. And I also think for, um, for us specifically, we look for authenticity. They have to be authentic in their content. Like it, we obviously care that they have followers, but what they, how they portray the product, how they're featuring the product or the service, it still goes a long way. And, and we also look at how they engage with their followers. So we obviously want someone who has that dialogue and can keep that open dialogue between their followers. And you know, if they're asking questions, respond back with the answers for us, because then you're representing us on your platform. You're like actually fostering a community, right? Like yeah, it's not just exactly. a one-way conversation. Like you're actually listening and responding to what people want to say to you um, and encouraging that conversation. So authenticity and creativity and Christy, for you, like what stands out 
Like, let's say they have both of those qualities. And there aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive-thru workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Bada ba ba ba. You know, you have five influencers who all check all those boxes. What would put somebody over the edge in your experience? Yeah, so I would say we equally look for all of those things. I would say, out of what you said, Camille, like ex being excited about the project is really big. It's just so much more fun to work with someone when they're excited um, and they're really uh, happy to put like go the extra mile and put the extra effort into the content. But I would say to make them stand out against others that are equal to them, I would say like a huge thing for us on any campaign is audience demo. Um, we work with a lot of brands that are solely based in the UK, so that's really important to a lot of our brands. Um, our agency's based out of Manchester, so we work with a lot of UK brands. And then for our US brands or brands from the UK that are emerging into the US, it's so important that we have those correct audiences to create the right touch points and the right brand recall. So um, for us, if we had to choose you know, one influencer out of five, it would definitely be the person whose audience is coming in really strong um, in the demo. And so I have a question, because, uh, you know, we're, these, the industry is so exciting because it's always changing, and we're always seeing, you know, different things um, evolving over time. Um, so one thing that I've seen recently, and specifically pertaining to, like, audience demo, um, is that people are asking for, like, 50-plus percent of audiences to be from the U.S., um, that's a lot, uh, based on just what I've seen certain influencers have. Are you guys seeing the same thing? You are. Um, and what are the conversations like behind closed doors about this? Because I, I, I just want to be a fly on the wall. Like, what are the conversations like about that? For us, like, we usually do 60% plus in audience of origin. So wherever the, like, the highest demo needs to be, we'll do 60% plus. Um, and... I mean, I definitely come across people that I'd really love to work with and they don't fit that. But at the end of the day, if the client's goal is to hit those audiences in the country that they're selling in and the market that they're in, that's my goal to meet. So um, even if I find someone that's great and they don't fit that, I can find people who fit that demo. Um, it's never a problem. So I would say um, stick to your guns on it. Agreed. And I think that from a brand standpoint, they're looking at the dollars they're putting into it. And if those dollars aren't going to their actual target audience, then it's dollars wasted in their eyes. So we've actually had people ask us if they can pay for only specific percentages of, of US audience. I'm like, no, you can't, but <laughs> that would be great if you could segment it out like that. But yeah, it ultimately is, it comes down to, to dollars and what they're spending. I also think the KPIs for the program play a big deal. If it's if it's a sales driving partnership, then for sure I think Bear Minerals looks at at least sixty percent. And if it's just an awareness play, then we're fine with it being closer to forty five to fifty. Um, so that too. And so I, it's great hearing about this perspective, which is like very much about the analytics and very much about like the back end of demographics and things like that. 
I'm curious to hear from you, Tyla, because <laughs> you are an influencer and you know you are the creative, and that's why all three people on this panel right now would want to work with you because you bring the enthusiasm and you bring the creativity that they need also for these projects to be successful. So my question to you is, since 2015 or so, when you started, What's changed since then? Like, what happened? Changed? <laughs> Y'all, everything. Okay, um, everything has changed. It's all about strategy now. It's all. A, it's a whole like scientific thing, which is crazy because when I started, never thought this would be my full time job, ever. Y'all, I started with like burnt hair, and I was just trying to find a community that understood what I was going through because my mom has straight hair, so she was like, "Girl, you should have never dyed it. You should have never put that straightener." So I was kind of alone. And a lot of my friends didn't have curly hair. So everything was basically for me to just find support. So I started posting and I never looked at likes. I never looked at engagement. I never looked at followers. I literally was just like, let me use these hashtags and try to make some friends on the internet that can tell me what shampoo to use because I'm struggling. And now it's just so crazy. I'm very grateful for the position that I'm in and I get to do this full time, but it has gotten really crazy. And I'm happy I started with like a passion and not now because I think people just get really caught up in like, the validation of social media and it scares me and it's really heartbreaking because I see a lot of women especially younger women that want to be in the social space but they kind of don't understand like what they actually have to do and if they want to become successful it's a lot more than just getting 100 likes and getting 20 million comments and you know getting all the followers and being verified like it's so much deeper than that if you really love what you do Absolutely, because I mean, that's the way to have longevity and that's the way to like really keep like or build and then keep and maintain a community. You know, I don't even like to call them followers, right? Yeah. Like really cultivating a community. So I, I'm so excited for all of you to be on this panel. This is the first time we've had an influencer on our panel, y'all. So like, please ask a lot of questions. And the reason why this is one of the many reasons why this is great is because we hear from you know, this half that you know, in the rooms that they're in, they're being asked to meet certain KPIs from the person who's employing them. Um, and then you know, Tyler on the other hand is like, I, I can't be necessarily, that can't be my number one focus because that's not even the way to get there. Um, and you have to you know, figure out um, the best way to just build an audience. And that can be a number of different things depending on what your niche is. So from your perspective since 2015 to, oh my gosh, it's almost 2020, um, what do you think your followers, your audience is like really excited about that you post these days? Probably when I take risks, they know how like, I'm very like true to them and they know if I do something that's out like off brand, they're like, whoa, Ty, like we don't support that. Like, sorry, I don't drink alcohol, so you'll never see me do an alcohol partnership. And if they did, they would be like, whoa, like, I'm unfollowing you. Like, I can't support that. So, like, being very true to, like, who I am is, like, very key to my following. And they know you. Like, they oh, feel like And plus, like, Tyler's on YouTube as well. I feel like anybody on YouTube, like, it's a hard, it's a much harder core audience on YouTube. So like I feel like if you're purely on Instagram, I don't know, it's just my opinion, but like I feel like you get like a little bit of a free pass, but like they feel like they know everything about you if you are on YouTube. They catch everything. Yeah. Like when I'm filming, I'm like, okay, Ty, like you can't have like your lipstick smudged because someone's gonna be like, Ty, why didn't you fix your lipstick before you film this? Like YouTube followers are completely different from Instagram. YouTube catches everything. Instagram, they're just like, oh, this is cute, I'm gonna like it, move on. But, in, but YouTube, they sit there and watch eight minutes of you chatting, talking, and doing whatever you're doing. 
they're real supporters. Yes, they are. And so you talked about likes. So we always have to talk about like the extra relevant, timely things that are going on in the industry. I don't even know if everyone in the room is aware, but you know, there's been articles going around that starting this week, apparently, um, there are no longer going to be likes on Instagram. Um, they've already piloted this in other countries, so there are influencers that have been like, this is old news, uh, like in Canada and New Zealand and Australia, I think other countries. Um, but I would love to hear everyone's opinion on the panel and kind of what you guys are discussing within your own circles as how you think this huge change on Instagram is going to affect everything. I'll let whoever wants to chime in first. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I really don't mind it at all. I think um, it'll kind of get creators back to creating what they love and not worrying about the validation. Um, and I think if you really truly create what you love and you love what you do, likes and things like that really shouldn't matter. You should just create to make yourself happy and your audience happy. I hear that. I agree too, weirdly enough, from a brand standpoint. Um, I do think that likes, I know that's how they're calculating like engagement these days, but I do think to Tyler's point that it does take it back to to what they, why they started their channel to begin with. And if they're that impactful, then the sales will follow. And I think just from a vetting standpoint, hopefully this will push a lot of brands to be more sophisticated in the way that they look at, um, you know, influencers that they want to work with or vet them, that it's more than just how many likes that they're getting or how many comments even. Um, you have to take a much deeper dive. And then I think from a reporting standpoint, um, looking at other aspects of success. So looking at the lower funnel metrics and, and what else what else are we, you know, gleaning from a post. So I do want to ask a follow-up question yeah. specifically on that like let's there are people in the room who are you know maybe uh, less experienced in influencer marketing than you are and so like you know likes are obvious of a way to you know calculate engagement um so what should we look for now what is the deeper dive i mean i think that quality of content first of all like playing off of what you said looking at how they integrate products and their personality that's shining through and all of those kind of nuances that you might look over if you're just looking at the number and the likes. Um, so just having more of an open mind on, on who you're going to work with. Um, I agree. I think the likes and comments going away, it's not really that big of a deal. Um, from a reporting standpoint, as it stands now, we obviously want our engagement rates to be high on the content that we're paying for for our brands, but we actually look at reach and impressions a lot more than we look at engagements anyways. Um, we wanna know how many people we're reaching and how many unique people we're reaching, so that's far more important to us at this point. Um, and I think, yeah, it will take out that weird validation situation that's going on, and I think people will get back to creating content they really love and what really resonates with them um, personally as creators, and that's really important to me and everyone I work with. I love hearing this. I hope everybody in the audience agrees. I mean, it's really refreshing to hear this, and I, of course, like idealistically, I hope this is the direction that it goes in. I mean, it seems to like naturally um, support that. Um, that's where it seems to be headed. So time will tell, and we'll see. And at our next event, we'll be talking about it, and we'll look back. And I hope that we'll be looking back and having this result. That would be amazing. Um, so Mia, I'm curious to hear from you. Um, what do you wish influencers knew that would make the work 
better? Like you work specifically in the beauty space. So um, what do you wish they knew that would make the work that you guys do together better, more successful? I think, well, it's, I think it's a, a multifaceted question. There are a few things and one, particularly in beauty, I think it's, it's more so the claims. Claims are huge for beauty and sometimes they do it without knowing, but they'll go on a rant or they'll go on a tangent and speak about things that they feel about the product versus what what the product actually does. And so that's something that, you know, once I get their content, I review it, and I unfortunately have to ask them to reshoot it or re, yeah, like refilm the entire thing. I feel bad asking them, but I wish they knew that, you know, we're giving them these claims for a reason and like I'm gonna get in trouble with legal if they say something. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I think just being very conscious of like exactly what the product can do um, and the effects and like just the, the, the POD, just being very aware of it. So that's why we give them, we give them at least two weeks to try out a product before actually posting it so we can truly understand exactly what it's going to do. And like that's not easy yeah. either, you know, yeah, like that is not an easy thing to do. And um, I think that's, you know, a reason to continue working with somebody or to really value their work very highly. If you can look at, I mean, guys, I've seen and I'm sure you guys have created 20 page briefs <laughs> like of like seven size font and like you look at it and you're like, my brain's about to explode and I'm on page two. Um, so like, it, it's a real skill set to be able to digest all that information and then regurgitate it and sound really natural and excited about this lipstick, right? So uh, mad respect and I don't want people to forget that, right? And I think that like, it's, 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 you have to respect that that is not an easy thing to do. Um, so my question, because I, I, I hear you, right? Like everybody has somebody to report to. If you come back to them with a piece of content where they're claiming that this lipstick makes them look like, you know, Kylie Jenner lips, <laughs> like, that can't be true because that's not how she got those lips. Um, <laughs> Um, so legal would be upset with you and you're going to have to go and then tell them the unfortunate news that they might have to reshoot this content. In my world, which is representing influencers, that is like the kiss of death. Like that is such terrible news having to tell somebody who spent hours, hours and money and time to create potentially a three minute video. <laughs> All the resources involved. And so, Tyla, I'd love to throw this over to you as someone who you create incredible content, but everybody has been asked to reshoot something at one instance or another. Um, how do you handle that? Um, because I think the question that I would ask of you is like, there has to be a balance, right? Like there has to be a balance between what's being requested by legal and what's gonna resonate with your audience. So speak to that a little bit for everybody. So Jesse, you know me well. Um, I am very vocal. If you're my friend, you know I'm very vocal, and that's with work in life. Um, so whenever I'm working with a brand, I am probably annoying just because I ask about 72 questions because I do not ever want to reshoot because it is a whole process getting a photographer, getting a videographer, taking the time out of your day, making sure it's sunny out, making sure it's not gonna rain, making sure you know, you're know you feeling good. It's a whole process. So my advice to if there's influencers here, it's 
read those briefs and practice your content and make, don't just do something the day before and think it's gonna come out perfectly because honestly, their job is just as hard as ours. Honestly, just because I've, doing, I've been doing it for so long, I know how annoying it could be if you just clearly don't follow directions. Oh, hey kiddo, how was the hill? Educational. Oh, learned a new trick? Yeah, the trick to a happy, fulfilling life, maybe. I learned that mountain air unleashes my inner peace. And rip and pow while the whole crew's all, you induces spontaneous joy. Okay, uh, that's nice. The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at IconPass.com. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. So it's like they have to do the work just as much as we do if we mess up. So it's like before I even start a campaign, it's, okay, um, what do you want from me? Can I say this? Is this allowed? Am I allowed to wear this? Can I do this? Like, is it okay if I shoot it here? Is this not okay? Like, there's a bullet to like every bullet on their brief. I have a question about every single thing because I never want to reshoot, ever. So I'm just very specific, but it is, it's really important. Like you have to follow the directions and make sure that you're delivering exactly what they want if you don't, then you're not doing your end of the deal. 100%. And I think that it is. It's respect both ways. Truly, 100%. And I think that also, you know, we're a lot of companies in here, I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that a lot of people are trying to do this at scale as much as humanly possible, but we're dealing with human beings at the end of the day. So I would just encourage people in my experience to slow down a little bit, especially in the beginning, to be able to like make sure you're truly on the same page, like ask important questions, submit a concept and be thorough about it. Um, Cause I would say if you don't do the work and especially in the beginning, like it's kind of, you're, it, it, you're accountable um, in your part of it if it doesn't go well at the end. So um, it, that dialogue is really, really, really important. Um, what are your thoughts on all this in regards to, um, you know, what what makes uh, content particularly successful from influencers that you've worked with? Um, successful, you can see when someone wants to be creating the content with you, like you can tell it shines through in their face, the whole vibe, how much effort they put into it, um, the captions, like if you read people's captioning, it really like, can go deep into their soul and they give you that if they're excited about the project. So I think um, like working with your influencers as partners, they're not like your media buy, they're not your <coughs> random freelancers that you're outsourcing content to, like they're partners to you. So you should treat them like that and they'll treat your content like that, like your family and like it's important to them. Um, so that's where we always see most of our success. Like I can tell within like five emails if the person's gonna be really excited and we're gonna have a great time doing this thing. And then I can tell within five emails that this is just gonna be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, and sometimes like, 
you know, we have to move forward because the client really wants to work with them. And I'm like, okay, let's do this thing. Um, and then other people, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. Um, and so I will ask you, because I'm sure people in the audience can really benefit from hearing this answer when they are tasked with working with someone who they get five emails deep and they're like, this is going to be a hot mess, but somebody's telling them that they have to make it work. So I don't know, anybody on the panel, I'll let you all chime in, whatever tips and tricks you can give people in the audience of like what you've done to get to the finish line be like really obnoxious and persistent via email, I will send triple and quadruple follow-ups. Like if I need something from you, I will keep emailing you. Like there, I will keep emailing. There is no question about it, but like don't take 48 hours to answer when you know we're on a deadline. Like it just hurts me and I'll find you. <laughs> I will, there's no question. I'll keep emailing. And I like won't apologize in the third email either. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> I think also, so we have a process where we require that influencers put forward like concepts for what they're going to do. And it might be a chore, but it helps us so much because when we get those concepts, we can tell if somebody is just like not gonna, you know, perform. <laughs> or if they're just sending us like two words, it's like on the floor mirror, sprinkle lights, <laughs> like, that's not a concept. So I've gotten that before. <laughs> so, so, thank you. <laughs> so we know when we get that if it's going to be a disaster and we just try to do damage control as much as possible or we'll put forward a concept for the influencer and just like kind of make sure they're okay with it. Um, it really has to be like all hands on deck, like we're gonna get through this together. Like, but yeah, the follow-ups are necessary, like stalking, chasing, chasing a lot. Um, but yeah, just be mindful of deadlines and also I would say know your competitors, like know your PNG brands from your Unilever brands because we've had so many times where during our term or during the like exclusivity period, we see like the direct competitor posted the day before they're supposed to post our product and it's like, it's a disaster. So that can come into play, like just know the world of beauty. If you work in the beauty industry, know the world of fashion, like know the competitors or what's going on in the industry because that's also very, very important. And I would also uh, back that up with you know when there's initially even discussions of exclusivity so many times i'll see people say you know well we want to be exclusive against hair care and i'm like you need to be more specific than that just so i don't step on that exclusivity you know like let's be as specific as possible um in a lot of instances like uh, in a lot of instances not all instances it's like not intentional even you know it's just they just didn't know and so I think communication is really key yeah. I also set up um, briefing calls with my influencers if it's like a larger campaign just getting them on the phone I can like tell right off the bat if you know how interested they are if they're they've tried the product before are they faking it or they never even heard of it before so it's really important to just to get that like even on a phone or, you know, we barely, you know, if they're in, if they're in New York, then we'll meet, we'll meet with them. But if not, they're mostly out in LA. So we try to set up a call just before we, we start off any concepting just to, just to get on the same page. Yeah. So I do think like some sort of, you know, level setting is important. Yeah. 
And Tyla, I'm curious from you, like, what do you look for in a partnership? Like, what's an enticing partnership look like to you? So I told y'all I'm very vocal. So um, open communication, like you said, I love briefing calls. Like, I love them so much. I'm like, I, I just love to talk and I love to communicate like what I feel when I'm using the product. Doesn't matter if it's skincare, makeup, fashion, whatever. I wanna be able to express that to you so that you understand what I'm gonna create. So a brand that is like very on board with talking to me at all times, whenever I need them, I love them. And um, definitely creative control um, is really important to me because I'm a creative. So I have to like get my ideas out there and I want to be able to express how I feel about the product in my own words. I don't wanna have to follow this like written caption or like example that I have to do exactly the way the brand wants me to, like that hurts my soul. It makes me not even wanna do the project because then it's not me. And then my community will be like, Ty, this is not you. And they're very vocal, like me. So they're gonna say, Ty, like, this is not what you usually deliver. So a brand that aligns with like my aesthetic, what I believe in, will talk to me whenever I need, and will definitely let me have creative control, like, I'm obsessed. <laughs> and that's, I think, like, that's an exciting thing to hear for a lot of people, and uh, just your excitement about wanting to talk about the product all day long and like riff off of ideas and come up with creative together. Um, but then the creative control part, I know is, is a sticking point for some people because inevitably like the brands are hiring the agency to have some control over the situation. And then the influencer is like, but this is my platform. And of course I, I literally own this space on the internet. So it's 100% mine to control. Um, and it's only going to be successful. I am the only one who knows truly how this can be successful and truly touch the people who are on my platform. So I'm very curious to hear from you guys as like a group conversation a bit, like how to manage those two sticking points that do inevitably come up very, very often. What are your thoughts? I mean, we'll give them at least like one or two talking points to hit on or like, or message points to hit on and then we're fine with their them using their own voice. So as long as they can get in whatever the main message is that we need them to get across, I'm fine with them, you know, using whatever language. I mean, obviously no cursing, but um, you know, like speak to your audience as you would speak to them on a, on a normal basis. And are you doing a lot of YouTube campaigns versus Instagram? Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, it's split pretty evenly, but for YouTube specifically, because it's a lot of talking, you know, we, we do know there's more, um, there's more of a chance for us to get more messaging in there, but with Instagram, it's kind of hard. Um, if, it's, if we're talking about just the grid, um, we are leaning more towards stories now, which is something that we're just leaning in towards just because we have the swipe up ability and you know, driving straight to, to the site. Um, but yeah, if, as long as they can hit on like the hierarchy of messaging, if it's the top two, then, then we're good with that. Great. Yeah, and I would say that that's where we lean on an influencer's creativity and their vision because what we've seen, you know, we can be pretty <laughs> prescriptive sometimes, but and it's, it's hard to strike the balance of making sure the influencer feels good about the content that they're putting out and then also making sure that the brand feels like the product is in the photo, it's seen, and, and they're going to get that level of awareness that they want. Um, so we like to lean in on the influencer's creativity, what they're putting forward, and coming together to kind of 
settle on a concept or a creative vision that suits both needs. Um, and then on our end, you know, pushing our clients to make sure that they're up to speed on what's performing well. And if there was a Wall Street Journal article today that talked about like the price that you pay for working with influencers is that you do have to give up some creative control. And like, that's just where, that's just unnecessary at this point. And then, you know, what a consumer or, or somebody looking at, you know, influ uh, Instagram content, the price that they pay is, ads or like branded content so like there is that kind of level of awareness now that this is just how the world has to operate for the content to really be consumed by the target influence target consumers and i feel like it's like psa you guys like psa yeah everybody has to compromise a little bit like everybody has to compromise like our job at my company is we're the middleman in between or the middle woman in between um and you know we're negotiating rates but like that's at the beginning. I would venture to say that most of my negotiating happens way after the contract is signed. Like when deliverables are due and getting content in when someone's kid gets sick and you know life happens or you know afterwards when we deliver the content and our creators are so excited about it and you know even sometimes the agencies i would find that like we're more aligned with agencies than not like we're we want to have a successful campaign and we want to get into the finish line um and i understand in a lot of instances it's like the brand that pushes back in a lot of instances because they want so much of that control i would just uh challenge everybody and say that in my experience personally it's like when the magic is really happening is when everybody is really able to negotiate and come together um, and give a little uh, will go a long way um, in meeting in the middle. So and I think someone said this already, but finding the right platform for somebody or the right um, you know, channel, mm -hmm. if their content isn't performing as well in photo, maybe a video will do better or maybe the product can be integrated more seamlessly in a video or a story. So it just depends and sometimes you just need to optimize. And going off of what you said as well with creative control and giving a little, it's like we do a lot of campaigns that are, you know, full circle. So our production department's doing things, influencers doing things, social media management's handling things. So we try to brief our clients from the jump that like with the influencers, this is a piece for them to shine and let their creative come through. Like we can handle all of your brand key points with our production content and things we're creating for you. But the influencers know their audiences best and that's a piece that you should really let go a bit on um, and they're gonna create content you love obviously it's our job to brief them that's so important like when you were saying asking questions it's my dream I would yeah. literally rather have you ask 75 questions than turn in content that just like isn't what we're asking for because then I have to come back and be like this has to be reshot so to have someone ask questions up front is so great and I think like you know, they're people and they're your partners and you can get your creative control elsewhere, like with content that you're producing and getting produced in house. I love that you're saying that because that was something that, um, I did not come up with this idea, but similar to that, I've heard someone just basically say, you know, so if they're not like, maybe I can create content specifically more tailored toward their page and create content that's specifically more tailored to my page. And I can hit all of those points, but that's not necessarily the one piece of content, the hero piece that's gonna be posted inevitably as the final image on my account. 
but like, let's create a ton of content together. Like, that's what I do for a living if I'm an influencer, right? So kind of just thinking outside of the box, too, in certain instances and not necessarily being so rigid and, and set in your ways, but I think that's a really good workaround. Yeah, and we've been doing a lot of collaborations lately, like taking it back really old school and doing like lookbook collaborations with influencers where they're not required to post them at all. Um, we've been doing a lot of brand overhauls for some of our newer fashion brands and we've just been having them create really fun content for the brand to repurpose. They don't have to use it. It doesn't have to even be their style, but they're like excited by the challenge of shooting something that's different from what they normally shoot. And we just brief them and sort of say like, have fun with it and go with it and you know, let the products like inspire you. And it's created such amazing content for the brands. And then it's fun because you get to work with a lot of influencers who don't necessarily meet the demos that you're always looking for. And you get to work with a lot of people who may not always create content for your brand that they want to post. So um, it's been really exciting and we've seen awesome results with it. You don't always need to like shoot your content in house. You can outsource it as well. You can do a lot of things different than the way that we're all doing them on a day to day. So just even giving yourself permission to think like that, I think will make a big, big difference. Um, I've seen a lot of people look like they want to like ask a question, raising hands. So I think we're going to turn it over uh, to Q&A. So we're recording this. So all that I ask, this is Susan, and she's going to bring a microphone to you if you have a question so you can speak into it and everybody can hear you. So raise your hand if you have a question. Oh my God, I'm right in front. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Liat. Um, and I actually have two questions. The first one is, how do you feel it differs being a woman in this industry as opposed to a man when it comes to sourcing influencers, finding influencers? Do you feel like that differs? Or even being an influencer, do you feel like it really differs just being a woman in the industry? And my second question is unrelated, which is just, what platform do you think is up and coming that you guys are testing out new for finding influencers or for creating content on? I'm happy to start. Um, I love being a woman in this industry. I think it fucking rocks. Um, I feel like I always have the upper hand um, in every aspect. I don't know. I think it's great. I don't. I don't ever feel um, like it's a negative. I don't ever feel overshadowed in any way. Um, I feel uh, that when I'm looking for female influencers, it's obviously way easier for me to source for my own brain. Um, and then I just pick into a lot of my friends. Um, but I, I follow a lot of male influencers as well. Um, and then I'll just pick into my guy friends, see who they're following, what they're into, my colleagues who are males, um, just see what they're into. Um, Oh, and then as emerging platforms, we are doing a lot of testing on TikTok right now, and it's been so much fun. We are getting the weirdest videos that are so fun. Um, we work with a, a brand that focuses around teens and tweens, so we've been working with them as influencers to create content on TikTok, and it is just never boring, let me tell you. Um, I agree. I think it's great to be a woman in this industry, especially if you're working in like beauty or fashion, because it totally dominates. Um, and myself, like I am the demographic of a lot of the brands that we work on. So it helps in that aspect because I either follow or know of a lot of the influencers that we work with and kind of have that insight and know just innately like what the, what's going to work and what isn't going to work. Because if I would watch it, I'm sure that like other women my age would watch it or view it or like it. Um, and then in terms of new emerging platforms, TikTok, definitely, we haven't tested the waters just yet, just because it has to be the right um, demographic, the right audience. 
and also Wattpad. Um, we've talked to them a few times, and I think that we've been like almost ready to do something with them, um, which could be really interesting and different as well. And podcasts, of course. I agree. Um, TikTok for sure. I've never heard of the other one actually. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, we are testing out on TikTok. We're actually launching our first campaign next year on TikTok, so it's super exciting. Um, but yeah, being a woman in this industry, I think we do have the upper hand. I, I am, anyway, working with mostly women in, in beauty, so I feel like exactly what you said, like, you know, we are the demographic, and I love being able to work with influencers that I actually follow. I've actually worked with Tyla before, so it's great to see her again, but, um, yeah, it, it feels really great to know that you know you you have a say in how you can impact the brand or, or your clients just because you have that inside us being that demographic. I feel like we run this industry, y'all. Okay. Um, I'm so happy to be an influencer like in this space because there's just so many women supporting each other. So I love that. And um, I haven't tried TikTok yet, but I think Instagram video and stories is like really going to get crazy in 2020. So that's what I'm going to focus on. Um, I am Nicole. I work at Activate. We have a platform and an agency. A lot of our clients recently have been asking about the ways that they can integrate influencers beyond just developing content on behalf of brands. So a lot of the requests we're getting lately are event focused, focus groups. Brands really want to use influencers as, you know, creative sort of strategists in house. I'm just wondering if that's something that a lot of you guys have been working on as well, um, since it's come up a lot recently. And I think also lends well to longer term partnerships, which we all know are often more fruitful than the quick pay to post. So, yeah, I'll go first. Um, I know at Bear, you know, we haven't done it in the past, but we are looking to bring on um, more of like the nano influencers to come in and really give us feedback to product that hasn't really hit the market yet. So essentially, being a focus group for us, but then you know, taking their insight and taking their feedback, and then maybe going back and fixing or judging the products that we're, that we're about to launch. Um, something else we're actually looking into as well as um, kind of bringing on more of the influencers into campaigns and, and being the face for us instead of just hiring a celebrity. Um, and then going from you know the campaign assets and then bringing them and kind of translating that into social so they have the full 360 um, approach to really pushing out a product and then eventually launching it on their platform. So. We also would love to be able to launch a product for the first time through social and utilizing an influencer for that. So those are all things that we're in, in the works right now for us, um, hoping to, to do that very soon in 2020. So yeah, definitely. We also hired um, an influencer to shoot our 2019 social campaign for a brand, which was actually covered by Forbes, which was amazing. So she got that um, kind of, uh, popularity or you know notoriety off of it it was it was great it was a, a great way to leverage that influencers creative abilities and then we also have looked at um, doubling down on our relationships and how we can leverage our partnerships um, at events um, at Coachella we worked with an influencer who was launching a capsule collection with another brand we partnered with that brand and then brought other brands on board so it was kind of like this full-on like immersive experience and we were able to leverage like her relationships and, and her expertise and really made her like the focus of the event and said like what do you want to do 
So I think at the end of the day, if you like RFP your, your partners, like a lot can come from it because they have their own creative ideas and, and their own brand partnerships that they may be able to leverage. Yeah, I would say um, two parts to that. Within social, we've been working with influencers who um, have their own uh, private Facebook groups, closed Facebook groups, which is really interesting to uh, sort of go in and either have them survey or let us join and survey their audiences, learn a bit more about what they're talking about, what they're interested in. Um, outside of social, um, Social Chain has a podcasting arm, so we've launched podcasts for um, Hinge and Pretty Little Thing recently where we work with influencers as our guests, as our hosts, um, and as the talent who literally is the face of the podcast, which is so exciting and so much fun. Um, and yeah, that's been really successful for us. They cross-promote it. Um, they're the hosts. They're the influencers for it. Um, so they're kind of everything. And it's been a lot of, a lot of exciting fun. Hi, I'm Natalie. Um, I'm an NYU student. So this is especially cool for me because you guys are all such badasses and just already killing it. And this is so cool for me. So thank you. Um, I have a question for Tyla. So Tyla, where do you find your inspiration? How do you stay creative while keeping all stakeholders satisfied? And do you find that their guidelines for a project generally help you in your creative process? Um, do you find that those limitations kind of help you be more creative? I'm gonna answer the last question first just because I'm a Virgo, y'all, so I need all the guidelines. I need all the specifics. I need everything to the T. I need the perfect brief. I need all the instruction I can get. So yes, but that's my preference. Other people, they're just like, they feel differently, but for me, I need the structure and I need the guidance. Um, for my inspiration, it's definitely music, movies, living in New York City, my friends, my family, um, other creators constantly, go, I'm, I'm always on Pinterest. It's like, I'm always just seeing different things. Um, yeah, and I think, did you have another question? Was inspiration, no? No, that's good. Hi, um, my name is Stephanie. I work at Creator IQ, so my colleagues are here. Hey guys, and some of our clients are up there too. Um, we, uh, we're an influencer marketing platform, so we really help kind of power a lot of the data and analytics behind these campaigns. One of the questions I know is definitely top of mind for 2020, I'd like to hear from all your guys' end, is around paid media and monetization. I know Facebook in particular is looking for influencers to start monetizing themselves, to really start sponsoring that content, acting more as the business that you are. I know with agencies and brands, this is top of mind. I'm curious what the initiatives are that you guys have and what you guys are already planning to do next year. So we actually utilize a lot of influencer content on paid media. Um, if they're doing well on their channel and, and if we regram we re it and it does really well on our channel, we then definitely like to put money behind it and either whitelist it or put it up, just work with our media agency to, to turn it into an ad. Um, and we're seeing a lot of success on with the content created by influencers versus what our in-house creative team creates. So that's definitely something that I think, you know, all brands are moving towards. There's that authenticity that comes from the content that you see a creator post versus a model image that has the shop, to the shop buy or whatever the, the link shop is. Now. Shop now. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that's something that more brands will be gearing towards. Um, that of course, you know, makes my workload heavier because we're bringing on, you know, even more content to sustain whatever the, the flight period is, but definitely something that has, we've seen an impact on, on the brand side. Yeah, and I don't know if I could speak to this directly. We do work with the media partner on most of our campaigns and the way we typically monetize content is by having the brand posted and then boost it from their channel. But, um, 
in terms of <laughs> next year, TBD, Q4, I don't know. <laughs> Everything's still like in the works. So budgets. Yeah, budgets, you know. <laughs> so, Yeah, I would say um, all of our clients have moved out of posting campaign imagery in their paid ads. We run influencer and creator content across all of our paid advertising um, for the most part. Um, when we started doing it a few months ago, it just immediately outperformed um, the production imagery from you know campaign shots. Uh, and that's a lot of why we started our creator programs was to create content that'll move through full digital usage into our ad sets. Um, and it's amazing, it works great. Highly recommend. And I think we have time for like one more question. So who is the lucky woman? Oh, we've got someone to raise the flag. Hello. Um, I'm Pam, obviously. <laughs> or not. Um, I've seen, I've heard that there are some agencies that are going to ask influencers to put paid behind their own content to make sure they hit certain impressions and reach. Have you guys explored that yet, or is that something that you've discussed, and what are your thoughts? I'll take it. We actually work with a really cool software partner that allows us to whitelist the content directly through the influencers page. Um, obviously, we get permission, and that's in the contracting process um, to allow us access to the back end to do that, but it's a really amazing platform. It allows you to put spend behind the content. It re-optimizes based on success automatically for you. You don't have to go in and change anything during the flight period. Um, and it is a toy that me and my paid media director have been wanting to use for months and finally found the client to use it on. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, we had to find the right client to work with it on. It is kind of expensive to get the first license for it. Um, but we have been wanting to do it for a really long time. And when we had the first occurrence that was a yes, we were super stoked. So um, yeah, that's something we're exploring. Um, and I think it is um, already being explored by a lot of brands. Uh, it pops up on my feed personally all the time. Um, uh, yeah, it's called Lamanu, um, if anyone wants to look at it. They're really great. I love their sales team. They're awesome people. And it's a really amazing software. Um, like I said, uh, definitely a, an investment from the from the jump, but it's really great. Um, definitely something that I think a lot more brands will be interested in. I think that like everyone wants a formula and to hit a specific number. Otherwise, it's like our clients have to report to their, you know, managers, and it's if they don't hit these exact KPIs, then it's like the world will end. So I think that that will be a nice solve if that um, if we're able to kind of like get on board with that. But um, yeah, I think that would actually be pretty nice. We haven't um, explored that at all, but now hearing from everyone, <laughs> I'll go and talk to them tomorrow. <laughs> um, no, but I think yeah, yes. Um, no, I think that's a great way, like you said, to, to hit the KPIs, to make sure you're reporting back on the best success measurements that you possibly can. Um, it does toy the line between influencer and paid, which is, you know, a lot of brands struggle with kind of merging the two. I know, like, my brand, for one, they like to keep it separate, um, and we haven't explored, which is why um, we haven't explored, really, but... Um, I think that, you know, moving, I think that's where the industry is shifting anyway, and that's definitely something that I will now consider. <laughs> um, so with that being said, we really, really thank you for coming tonight. Really hope you got a lot out of today's conversation. 
Please give everyone up here a big, big round of applause. And the night is not even over. Um, so uh, please, like I said, first look to your left, look to your right, say hello, introduce yourself. There's food and drink in the back. And thank you guys so much for coming tonight. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart.